secret art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Secret Art of Business. And today, I cannot be more excited than to have Ken Johnson here because he is a CEO of Highlights for Children, which I think most of the people who are listening to this podcast can relate to this, at least showing up in their doctor's office, which was which was the case for me. And with having four other siblings, we were at the, the pediatrician's office a lot. So I can look at Highlights, but it is a very big part of childhood. And what I talk about a lot in this podcast is, you know, reaching back to one's childhood to kind of capture some of those wonderful things that we did when we were younger. But first, let me welcome you. I keep, I'm talking because I'm so excited, but we officially well, ex- welcome you, Kent, to the podcast. Yeah, no, Catherine, I'm excited to be here as well. Thank, thank you for that introduction. And it's, this is going to be a fun conversation. I think so too. I think so too. So first, let's start by um, you talking a little bit about Highlights for Children, a little bit of your history with it mostly would be great. And if you want to get more into the entire history of Highlights, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Highlights for Children fundamentally is a company that was created for the benefit of children, and we still exist today to serve children and families. So we we think of our, our vision for the world. If we're successful, we're bu- building a more optimistic and empathetic world where all children can become their their best selves. So uh, we were founded in 1946. We're a family-owned business. We're in a a variety of different activities, but primarily we think of ourselves as as trying to create experiences that foster human development. So we we are uh, trying to create content and and, uh, joyful learning that help children become their best selves. And by that, we mean helping children become confident, creative, caring, and curious. Uh, Most people know we do magazines. But we're fundamentally not a magazine company. Um, a lot of people don't know, in addition to all the consumer products we have, print, digital, subscription, uh, books, puzzle and activities, we also have a whole side of our company that serves children in organized classrooms. So we build curriculum resources uh, primarily around foundational skills and reading, writing, math, spelling, vocabulary, all across the gamut of what happens in elementary school. So unified by this mission of how can we reach kids at home, at school, at play, and really all the places in between. Um, So I've been here about 18 years. I should disclose my great-grandparents did found the company uh, back in 1946, and I've done everything. I did everything I could early in my career to not work at the family business and somehow (laughs) failed. Find myself, uh, you know, passionate and engaged here uh, 18 18 short years into my uh, stint at at the company. well, it, I mean, it, it is such a game changer of a company for a lot of people, and you can actually see some of the changes that happen within young children utilizing a lot of these things that you mentioned. I have to ask, though, so what is the most popular product you guys have? 
You know, I mean, so magazines, believe it or not, magazines are, are, are still the largest. They're not the majority of the revenue of the company. Um, you know, most people who might listen to this podcast grew up with Highlights Magazine. So for many years, we knew that being one magazine as broad an age, serving as broad an age range as possible was the best way to approach it. We realized that really wasn't the best way uh, to, to sort of meet readers where they were. So we now start with kids as young as zero. So we actually have a baby, a product for babies. You know, it can they can teeth it. It's it's stitched with thread, curved cuts. Can go in the bathtub. Can be washed in a preschool setting. Um, And and actually, our largest publication, our most popular, is Highlights High Five. So in an age where everyone would tell you print magazines are dying, we have uh, nearly a million, about a million subscribers in a magazine for two to six year olds for kids who are developing in their reading skills. So. You know, in the most popular franchise, like a lot of people talk about the hidden pictures. So we've yes. had hidden pictures since the beginning. And there's, there's a, you know, hidden pictures is really a franchise for us that exists. And it's often our top seller on Amazon. At one point we were doing, I think we've done hidden pictures in 24 languages. At one point we we're doing a million copies a year just in China. So hidden wow. pictures as a universal kind of uh you know, puzzling experience uh, that kids and adults. I mean, it's really we thought we talk about it from age nine to ninety nine. I mean, it's it's a uh, much beloved by by many of our readers and current and former readers. I'm not gonna lie, Hidden Pictures is my favorite. I I will just be bold and say that right now. <laughs> so it's definitely I'm, a great great product. So uh, and obviously a continued winner. Now you had mentioned you know you kind of went a different path before you became the CEO of Highlights. So let's dial it back even further to when you were a child, since we're speaking about children. And what did you do for fun? And and I'm going to assume it was something other than your own family business stuff. You you probably had other creative things that you like to do. Yeah, no. And and as, as a family business person, my parents never worked for the company. So it wasn't an everyday presence in my life. It was a monthly presence and an, and there was an awareness of the connection. But I was a very shy, very shy kid. Um, I was fortunate. I, I loved puzzles. I loved games. Um, and, and I went to uh, what, what at the time was a very experimental elementary school. I mean, like imagine late 70s, uh, no desks, no grades, everything project-based learning, you know, on a first name basis with the teachers, like very little structure. And so, but, but, and very child-driven in the learning. So I was really fortunate that, you know, from uh, uh, growing up where you'd kind of leave home and just be out in the neighborhood, uh, driving your own kind of exploratory activities to an elementary school setting where there was a lot of support for, um, you know, child-driven kind of learning and exploration. Um, and that really fueled that really fueled my early love of puzzles, of narrative, of projects that were extended. And I think when I started uh, then in more formal education, for me, math and science became puzzles. So mm-hmm. I loved math because it was like you're trying to solve things. You're trying to you know work through an algorithm. You're trying to figure things out on your own. Um, so for me, the puzzling connected and the games connected to math and connected to science and ultimately led me into physics, uh, which, you know, of course is the direct path into children's publishing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just a different way of getting there, you know, and you just happen to find that, that way to get there. And, uh, I'm not going to discount the fact that there is probably a lot of, uh, creative problem solving in physics as well. So, can you just kind of address how you felt like you were still utilizing both sides of your brain, even in a, with a physics degree? 
Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I, I think one of our challenges and just broadly in the education of science is that early on, it, it may not feel as creative to, um, to the students. So I, I think, you know, and I was drawn to physics where it was more problem solving. I was less drawn to sciences early on that felt more like memorization or having to learn sort of a fixed set of knowledge. Mm-hmm. But what I really loved, and I, you know, as I started physics in high school, um, I, it just really excited me that you could understand just the curiosity, how can we understand these natural phenomenon? But then early as an undergraduate, I got to be involved not only in classes, but in some research. And once you're in the lab and you're actually saying, okay, I want to measure something or I need to, uh, I've got to design an experiment where I'm trying to, to, to learn something, it, it creates this situation where you've got an extended project and you have to come up with solutions. So for me, the laboratory was always a place where there was freedom and no answer. Like there was no answer key when you're working in the lab. So for me, I've always been fascinated, like when you're trying to solve problems in the lab, like how, where do ideas come from? Because, you know, there's this joke that you're, you're in the shower or for, for me with my senior thesis, we were stuck for a number of months. And I can remember that moment. I was driving from state to state, going away for the weekend. And I didn't even think I was thinking about the problem. And you have that sudden moment of like, oh, my gosh, yes. I've got to look at it differently. And it's not that you like that wasn't like I didn't solve all those problems like on that drive. But you have that moment of like having a new idea and then you get to work it through and see, does it hold water? Does it, does it play out? Can you take that idea and get to a solution? So for me, science was, was always very creative and mm-hmm. always about trying to, um, and, and never about like there was a one path to an answer. So I think that's what's interesting in a connection to business. Like there's no business problem any of us face where there's like a single answer, the only way to do it. We're always crafting different pieces and trying to find the best opportunity, the best option for right now with, with the capabilities we have, like there's no perfect and there's no one. Um, but we're always trying to cobble together, like where are the breakthroughs either organizationally or to a business problem? Um, and so for me, that was what was always exciting. And, and actually when I got to the end of my training in physics, what I realized is it wasn't going to be exciting enough to stay doing physics for my whole life. Mm -hmm. As much as I loved it, it felt narrow to me. And I'd had some experience in uh, interdisciplinary work. So getting to work with chemists and material scientists. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's so much more interesting if you work with people with diverse training and diverse ideas. And so that led me to jump into biotech where oh, wow. I was one of a couple physicists in the company. I got, at that point, I realized how, how wrong I'd been as a high school student to think biology was boring. Because it turned out, turns out biology is fascinating, chemistry is fascinating, and and when you get a group of people together trying to solve problems at the intersection of disciplines, that really was a lot more fun than I'd realized as a kid. Um, and that probably, you know, I'm not letting you get a word in here, but that probably what let me led me to think what what's so exciting about business. Like you have a marketer, product development, you've got finance, you've got software, you've got tech, you've got all these pieces coming together and you really, if you're doing it right, you're trying to solve a problem that you understand that your customer has. Um, and for us, it's, it's about child development. But in any business, if you're not solving a problem for your customer, you probably don't need to exist. I, I like I said, I gave you full reign on that because you were <laughs> saying all the right things. And I really wanted people to kind of hear your, your thought process on it because yeah. what you're saying is incredibly powerful to anybody who is trying to kind of 
find their way through their life, I guess, in general, because you might think, you know, if I am a scientist, how do I become a CEO of a business? You know, how do I even make that connection? And I think you have crafted that out perfectly by kind of talking through all the steps that it took. Like I started, you know, really interested in puzzles and that puzzles led to science, which led to physics, which led to all of these other things, which then makes this run, making a running a business probably feel a little like a piece of cake. It's just that the, you know, like the objects oh. have changed a little, you know, but I mean, it's really kind of a science in a way when you think about it, when you're like, okay, I need to have a little bit of this kind of marketing. I need to have, you know, this and this and this, and, and that's going to create a finished piece or I'm going to get to um, success with this. Ex- and sometimes it is experimenting the whole time too, you know, having run a business like, Oh, let's just try it and see what happens. So there's a lot of experimentation that goes with running a business as yeah. well. But I I love that you talked about just that path and made those connections for people because I think it's really, really important for them to see there is different ways to kind of get to where you need to go. And I think ultimately you are in exactly the place you need to be right now, but you had to go this path to get there. And I love that you illustrated that just so, so nicely for people. I think that's very helpful. Well, and it's 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 interesting because like I think society sometimes have has a view of science and scientists as like a lone in individual exactly. work. Like we have this model, like Einstein came up with something incredible. But for me as an experimentalist and throughout my scientific career, it was always a team sport. You know, so there was always yes. like creativity, like you had to have collaboration and and really the winners or the ability to succeed was having um having the collaboration produce ideas better than any one individual could produce. And that really is what we're trying to do in business. And because like the one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's daily humbling to be a CEO or an entrepreneur because you realize what, whatever ego you have, whatever bravado of like, we're going to have an influence, you know, when you get enough maturity and humility, like the only ways we succeed is if it's a team sport Yes. Um, so I, I do look at, you know, and in my lab experiences, they were always lively. Like there was a lot of playfulness and humor and a lot of energy. So a lot of our work today, I mean, we're trying to solve business problems, but a lot of our focus at highlights is how can we create that climate for innovation? And how do you how do you create the human interaction that leads to high performing teams so that we can better solve problems together? And I think that is a, um, a part of leadership and a part of like succeeding as an organization that's completely independent of what business problems you're trying to solve. Um, because trying to unlock your own creativity, I mean, I think we sometimes have this false, and I'd be curious your opinion on this, like they're creative people and then they're not creative people. Like, I think we have to just completely reject that and say, everybody's got creativity. Yes. And the question is, how do you use your superpowers of creativity or under what conditions does your creativity come to life? Exactly. And I think if we can, you know, kind of fire up everybody's creativity to the fullest extent possible in a team sport, like that's how we do the right experiments as a business. That's how we solve, uh, solve problems and find b- better solutions together. Yeah, I believe 100% that we all have some sort of creativity in us. And part of my story is that when I was going through school at about fifth grade, somebody told me, yes, well, guess what? You're an artist, which meant that everybody else in the class was not. And that meant that they had to go and learn some STEM related thing. Like, you know, I have to be better mm. in math or you're going to have to work in a factory. You're going to, you know, do something, but you, you don't get to be an artist because you weren't, you know, given that title. 
And I thought that was a little unfair because when you really think about it, I always thought about that kid that was like the jokester, the kid that always like messed around in class. He was kind of a creative guy. I mean, who you would listen to him and be like, how do you even come up with this stuff? Who who knows that if he was not, you know, um, encouraged to do so, he could be a great writer or maybe an expressionistic painter or something like that. And we tend to kind of tamp things down about that age where we divide people into groups and we start thinking like, okay, you're either in, in this camp or you're in this camp. But I do believe that if you have both a left brain and a right side of your brain, left side and right side, guess what? You can do both. And it's just a matter of getting them both to work together to kind of do exactly what you're talking about. And it's sometimes pulling a team together that has real specializations that live in an innovative, creative, imaginative side that you can plug in. And I I can definitely tell you that the success, success from my company comes from having the right team members there. I am not good at everything. Or at least you try when you start, only to realize, you know what, you're really good at this, so we're going to delegate that to you now. Or And then once you have that, then you're thinking like, oh, maybe I can get, delegate some more of this stuff away. That's not my favorite. Right. Um, but it's, it's exactly what you're talking about is just getting these teams together, the conversations, the innovation, the creative problem solving that I think people sometimes discount themselves because they're like, well, I, I can't draw, so therefore I'm not creative. Or I've never written a book, so I'm not creative. It's like... Uh, you know, this happens all the time. And you're really, I, you know, you'll be surprised if you really think about it, like, and which is why I always ask, let's go back. And what did you do as a kid before somebody told you, you had to get to work. And man, a lot of these entrepreneurs did some really creative things. And it's, it's really exciting to kind of see that. Well, and what you're pointing to is, is, is the power of, of labeling and encouragement versus discouragement. So you, there was a power for you to be labeled in that way. It like opened something up for you. But, but I think that there's also a trap, like you didn't stay only as an artist. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to have affirmative labeling and empowering labeling for every kid so that they'll explore their fullest potential. But I also think it happens in business. And I think some, we try to break down, uh, these, uh, these walls as well. Um, it's very important, as you said, to know what you're not good at and Mm -hmm. to, to, to not run away from it, but seek people who are good at it that you can work together. But I also think, you know, one of the things that I realized, I spent about six years in biotech, and one thing that helped me be successful there, and it, because I was a physicist working mostly with non-physicists, I didn't know where the boundaries were. So I, I didn't label myself as like, I'm only going to solve the chemistry problems, or I'm a biologist, I'm going to worry about how these cells bind with these proteins. Because I didn't know it, I went across it. Um, and I think that I see the same thing here when we have folks working in an interdisciplinary way. We need our expertise, but we can't have it create walls where we only think about the problem for our own perspective. And so b- breaking down those walls of like, it's like, what's our self-assessment of what we're good at? I think we need awareness, but we have to be willing to show up as a team to work on the whole problem together. So I, and I, that's where I, I do think creativity comes from blurring those lines and coming together as a team um, in ways that I don't always understand how a great idea comes out of a meeting. Like people, we always talk about how terrible meetings are, You're but right. some of the best moments are at the end of the meeting, everyone in the room has a different point of view about from where you started and no one could actually say like that happened because one person did one thing. It was a group transformation of a way of thinking. And I find that really powerful and fascinating how that how that works. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. You probably see that in, in your in your space as well. Absolutely. And I, I am ultimately just 
so fascinated with this, which is why I love to keep talking about it. And the one thing that you touched on too that I don't want to forget about is how ideas appear when we don't think we're thinking about them, where, you know, we start slipping into more of the right side of our brain, we're relaxing, we're, you know, driving, we're, you know, it's why people get their best ideas sometimes in the shower or in the middle of the night is because you have kind of shut off, disengaged from that thinking part, that part that's mm-hmm. so driven and so thinking that you're like, oh, your brain likes, oh, let me think about this for a second. You know, now that it's quiet and the ideas start coming and really kind of understanding how that works too in your brain as well. It's like, you know, sometimes you have to just walk away from maybe a, a big project or a, a, a hard topic just to kind of get a little breath in there and then then the ideas will come which so it's that's another that our brain does you know and it's 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 we talk about like work-life balance on the one one hand and i'm a firm believer if you're working too hard always focused on the problem your creativity actually will go down yes so it's it's to, to me it's like it's that model of the athlete the recovery days are as important as the workout days oh, love that. and so i think i try to monitor what kinds of thoughts come into my mind when i'm away from work because if it's too much the like oh stress we've got to do this we've got you know like what's on the plate like that's not how could we do something differently that's not a new idea of, a, of an approach to a problem and i think you can k- kind of try to de- i've tried to develop the skill of self-assessing is my brain taking enough time away from the problem as measured by what kinds of ideas about solving that problem are coming to mind? Mm-hmm. So, and for, for me, a huge escape is I, I read like long nonfiction and just put myself in a different part of the history of the country and like sort of, you know, trying to just get my brain out of 2023, out right. of highlights, out of my current life, um, because I find... Um, I just find that healthy, like you have to change what your brain's thinking about in whatever way works for you. Um, otherwise it's really difficult to be so close to a problem all the time and have ideas come out that are different. It's, it's very difficult. I, I agree hundred percent. And I, I glad you, I'm glad you brought up that whole nonfiction thing too, because I was going to ask you what you did now to disengage and reading is one. Is there any other things that you do to kind of get some work-life balance? Yeah, for, for me, I, I, I put a lot of attention on on exercise uh, because, you know, I am a little bit of a stress junkie. Like every role or job I've had, like I like to be really engaged. I like mm-hmm. I only want to do things I'm passionate about. Um, you know, I want to have like an energy to go in my work. And unfortunately, a lot of the work we do is is sitting, it's on Zoom, it's it's talking to people. So, you know, from a health perspective and also to get the blood flowing to your brain and get a break. So I'm, I'm I, I consider my exercise, you know, I'm not a great athlete. That's not the point. But mm-hmm. I do consider it's kind of that balance of physical activity is critical to my mental and my emotional well-being. So try to try to keep those those workouts in and particularly a long, a long bike ride outside in the sun, like you can get different thoughts, but I also love things that, um, you know, kind of require enough attention. Like I've just started doing Pilates. It's, you have to really focus to do it. <laughs> so you can't be thinking about, it's not like, you know, on a rowing machine, you could be thinking, okay, how am I going to solve this problem? Yes, yes. So finding those things that do take full attention and full presence, I think are, are super healthy. Um, and I also have a 16 year old, so, you know, there's nothing like a, uh, 
you know, who's st- still at home. And, and there's nothing like a 16 year old to, to take you down a bit in humility and to put you in a different kind of environment of, of, uh, you know, his world and, and, and talking to him about what's going on or watching his soccer game. So try to keep savor every one of those moments. Cause they go, they go quickly. It is, it is very quick. And I, and I loved, and I'm going to put a fine point on the comment that you made that you're not necessarily that good at it because I don't want people to be afraid not to do things because they're not good at it. Like some people say, I love singing, but I'm not good at it. It's like, well, if you love it, who cares? Just, you know, sing your heart out. Or if you're not, if you don't feel like you can, you know, draw something really well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be drawing. You could, you know, anyway. Um, well, no, no one's mentioning it's, it's, I don't want to discourage people to think that just because they're, they're terrible at something and I, or not that great not to do it. I mean, it's no, I, I think, and that, that I, you know, I hope that has come with maturity for me, the, the sort of realization I'm, I'm not competing with the rest of the world in so many right. things you're doing, you're, you're, you're competing. Like, is it good for you? Right. Like what pur- purpose and function does it serve for me? Um, and is it a good use of time? I mean, I right. think that's what we, what we all have is a limited number of days on this planet. Um, so to me, it's always trying to be really smart about our choices with time um, to get the most out of our, you know, the talents we were given and the, and the most positive impact we could have on our family, on the people in our company. And, you know, ultimately, if hopefully have, have an impact beyond ourselves. Absolutely. I, I believe hundred percent in all of that, that you just said, yeah. what is, uh, what is, um, highlights working on now? What are you working on now that to just kind of be innovative or creative or could be new and purposeful for, children yeah one one fun thing it's just top of mind because we, we've talked about childhood is is we recently uh, acquired a company called tinker garden oh my gosh what's that? so it's this, it's it's this wonderful company and and uh you know now part of the highlights family but a, a, a incredible entrepreneurs developed sort of a, a approach to child-driven outdoor learning so think of like the the outdoors is your classroom we have mm-hmm. such a like a mental health crisis. And there's so much evidence that kids getting out and adults, that getting outside and into nature is so positive for us as people getting off screens, but they've really developed over time for like group settings. And it could be a playground, could be a parking lot works in any, any kind of setting uh, of how you could have adults together and and let children be children and do child driven activities in an outdoor space and really um, help the adults involved sort of, maybe relearn what it's like to be a kid, sort of help them empower child-driven sort of curiosity-based learning. So we're having a lot of, a lot of fun. They're new to the company, but trying to figure out how can uh, between what they do incredibly well and what highlights do does well, how could we reach more, more kids and families with that kind of experience? And it does fit into the vision um, that we think of ourselves um, not as a magazine company, but trying to facilitate experiences of human development. So, you know, a lot of times they can be off screen in real life, but we're having a lot of fun, even in our core products, trying to understand how to get more engagement of a parent. If we've got a, a craft or an activity in, in, a, in content, how do we get people off of the page into doing something together mm-hmm. and maybe sharing that with us or sharing it with each other? But those experiences are kind of what we're obsessed with right now as a company. Um, for us, they often originate in print, um, but we're never really that interested in print. We're interested in what does a print product or what does a digital product trigger in terms of a human experience. Um, so that's my obsession right now is thinking <laughs> what are the ways in between school and in between home 
that we could facilitate, create, encourage, um, you know, experiences around child development that are joyful. I mean, coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, there's some things where as a society and particularly for children, we, we need some recovery. We Absolutely. need some, you know, regrouping. Um, you know, the data is not great on educational impacts. The data is really not great at all about social, emotional well-being impacts. Um, so I, the other thing I would say that we're really excited about in our curriculum company, Zayner Blozer, we've got a social emotional learning, um, uh, kind of how to really succeed with success, how to feel great in the classroom coming out where we think we can really facilitate, um, helping school environment, being a, just a piece in a classroom environment, becoming a more healthy, high functioning, socially, emotionally well-adjusted, uh, space. Um, so we have a lot of passion about just helping children succeed, through these um, these things that aren't all academic, uh, they tend to bring in social, emotional, and kind of things in people's heart and spirit, not just their brain. I really cannot love that more. I think that is so incredibly valuable, and I love that you guys are embracing that. And uh, the magazine, for sure, is the foundation of highlights. But I personally see you guys as a lot more than that. And just the the care and the love that you bring to both children and their parents in this understanding. And you've always been a champion of that. You have spoken to groups and things like that about exactly everything you're talking about today. And it is very much appreciated because I mm -hmm. definitely think that it sounds cliche, but children are the future. I have a lot banking on this younger generation to kind of get some things right. But each generation just send, tends to be just more and more remarkable. And part of it is by you know having companies like yours in place to help parents help kids find that way. So with that, I, I definitely well, appreciate you, know, you and your company. It, it's interesting. We are, one of our, found, our foundational beliefs as a company are, is that children are the world's most important people. Yes. And so we talk about childhood as a short, sweet season, like worthy of the loving care and the serious attention of adults. But, you know, it's interesting as, a, as an adult, we look around at the world and, and there are things that in honesty can be discouraging you know, oh, to yes. me and my adults, you know, it's a tough time for our society. There's a lot of contention and division, but I, but I, what I would report and where I, when I look at what kids are doing, what they aspire to their values in our age range and, and even older, like it's a place I just pull hope for the future. Same. I mean, this, you know, if we can invest in these kids and give them the best shot to solve problems that maybe we're not solving in the, in the most uh, efficient way as adults. Um, I, I think there's a lot of hope for our country and, and our world. Same. You know, Same. We got to invest in our kids, though. We, we really do. Have to we do. And they're just so adorable. How can you not? <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> uh, well, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And the message that you bring and uh, your path is really incredible. I love, like I said, I love the whole science aspect of it and how you kind of stumbled into, I guess, stumbled into the family business. I guess it was always there, but uh, how you seem to be fitting perfectly within that, just with developing and growing and building a great team around you to make changes happen for little people and for big people. So thank you yeah, so no, much. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have incredible people around me and, and just trying to get better every day. It was a total blast to talk to you this morning, Catherine. Okay, great. Uh, thank you again so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The Secret Art of Business is supported by Portfolio Creative. Portfolio Creative is a recruiting and staffing company specializing in finding marketing talent. Go to PortfolioCreative.com to get started in finding your next marketing person or your next job. We are experts. We are creative. We are good humans. 
Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get the latest episodes. And let me know if there's someone you think of that would be a great guest on the show. Here we can build a community that believes creativity and drive can work together.